right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hindsight Hacking. And today's guest is a first for us, Mr. Sarish Kondabolu. Oh, I probably just butchered that. Hopefully it's not, not too bad. But Sarish, he is a practicing orthopedic surgeon and currently serves as a director of strategic media and marketing for Bullet Health, a medical education technology company. Right, like we're going to get into this orthobullets.com and learn everything that Sharish is doing and, you know, see how this translates, how this marketing translates in the online space for people in his profession. So Sharish, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is awesome. Oh, we're so excited to have you and just kind of dive into everything you're doing. And another perfect example of why Corey goes first. So this is great. I, I don't think I could say your last name. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. why, why don't you take a moment and tell everyone a little bit about you? Yeah. So I grew up in, I was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Queens and, and Long Island. And as Corey mentioned, I'm currently a practicing orthopedic surgeon, but I practice very part-time. I'm actually transitioning out of clinical medicine, hopefully pretty soon. And you know, just to give you some context, I went into medicine for all the wrong reasons. You know, I think people that go into medicine for the right reasons will often say something to the effect of medicine was a calling. For me, it was more of a telling. My parents told me to do it, <laughs> basically. So I I grew up with immigrant parents, so this is not an uncommon you know, story for children of immigrant parents. In my house, you were going to be one of the three Ds. You were going to be a doctor a dentist or a disappointment. And so true. I, speaking from immigrant parents or right. Oh, where yeah. are your parents from? My grandparents came through Ellis Island. They were from Greece. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, everyone in the family, I, I joke that I'm the least successful person in, in my family. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, I feel like it's a pretty relatable thing for children of immigrant parents mostly. But for most people, I think, you know, the, the parents want the best for their kids. But, you know, in the process of doing so, there's a lot of tension and turmoil that could, you know, potentially happen there, if, especially if you're living a life that's not true to you and you're doing it for other people. It's like it's one of the top regrets of people like on their deathbed. And I now with the minimal amount that I, I do practice, a lot of the, the cases that I wind up doing are like hip fractures in old, very elderly patients, like, you know, even sometimes into their 90s. And I think the, the oldest patient I ever operated on was over 100 years old. And hip fractures are one of those rare, like injuries, where not operating on them is more risky than operating on them, yeah. or that not operating on them. So anyway, I, I bring that up because I hear about, you know, people's lives at that stage in their life. And there's this great book, I think by, she was a palliative care nurse, I believe, Bronnie Ware. It's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And I think the first regret on there is I wish I would have lived a life that was true to myself and not one that was expected of me. So that's one that I could definitely relate to. And I feel like a, a lot of people can. You know, but uh, but yeah, anyway, like I, I think I was very much driven by guilt early on in my life. And it's because, you know, my parents were the 
quintessential like rags to riches kind of a, a a story you know real american dream kind of thing gave my sister and i like everything we didn't you know really have to struggle for much and yeah so i i wanted to be the good stereotypical indian son i promised to do the spelling bees and become a doctor you know eventually but none of my behavior really mapped to me becoming a doctor i was always much more of a, a creative kid I was really liking the music. I was a drummer and a DJ. Th- those Ds fell under disappointment. So, you know, didn't really have the courage to, to, to go after those things. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you can imagine my imposter syndrome was like on, on another level when I started medical school. And ultimately, when I did find podcasting later on in medical school, it was really a way for me to kind of combine all of my my interests and kind of make peace with it and ultimately led me down a path that you know allowed me to really pivot out of of medicine but we could talk more about that i don't want to that was it was going to be kind of where my question was going to go because you know podcasting is pretty much what ron and i do all day every day we help people launch hit the charts monetize then we manage their show, you know, and editing and, and creating content from their shows. And so just, it seems, you know, just looking at orthobullets.com for anybody that's interested, you've got a tab there where you hit podcasts and it looks like you can grab any kind of whatever your topic was, whether it's about the hand or an ankle, right? Like there's different things. Plus you've been featured all over the place on Anchor as having a top podcast. You know, so to walk us through that podcasting journey specifically, yeah. because yeah, that speaks to Ron and I specifically, and I love hearing about that. Yeah. So, you know, when I started medical school, I remember my advisory dean, which is basically like our guidance counselor in medical school. I remember her telling me like, it's normal for you to feel like you don't belong here in your first year, even your second year. But at the end of your third, if you're still feeling like this, then, you know, there's a problem. And there I was at the end of my third year, I was like, you know, what the F am I doing here? Like, I still feel like I don't belong. I feel like I, you know, don't really like anything. And I had to make a choice on, you know, what to do for the rest of my life. You know, what specialty I was going to, you know, go into. And I was really trying to figure out a a way to like reverse engineer my escape route. (laughs) You know, I was just like, what are my interests outside of medicine? What are the things that I'm intrinsically motivated by? And at the time, it was hip-hop, comedy, and sports. The only one of those three that had a subspecialty attached to it was sports. So I was just like, all right, I think, you know, I can maybe make peace with this. I was like, maybe I could be like the the Sanjay Gupta of ESPN. I was like, that was the thing that I was like, you know, this like fantasy that I had. Maybe I could, you know, go and chase that. And maybe that could be my way, you know, out of this. But you know, the problem was in order to get into orthopedics, like it, it was very competitive specialty. I definitely didn't have the, the, the grades or the scores. So the only kind of a back route that I knew to, to kind of get into that field was to do research for a year and possibly get another degree. So that's what I did. I took a year out and I've got my master's of public health and I was doing like research in a lab. But I was really worried about going back to my fourth year of medical school to, you know, back in clinical rotations in orthopedics, not having done anything for a year. So that year, like I, I was like, I, I need to keep up with this stuff somehow. I know realistically I'm not going to really study that year. So I realized that every time I was watching ESPN, they were talking about some injury on there that I was just like, do people like actually know what they're talking about? I barely know what they're talking about. I'm in medical school. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. So I was like, maybe I'll start a blog. I mean, blogging was kind of big then. Podcasting, 
you know, really hadn't hit my radar yet. This was like, you know, maybe 2008, 2009. And so I started writing a blog about all these injuries that I was seeing on ESPN. And, you know, it was kind of the early days of Facebook and Twitter. I wasn't really doing it for any other reason other than to keep in touch with the that, that material. And all these like sports writers started following me and people were reaching out to me like that really helped my fantasy line up. I was like, what? I was like, who is reading this? Like, what? like this. And so it was really cool, obviously. And then when I went back to my fourth year, you know, it was back to reality. Like, you know, things got super busy again. And I was like, this blog is going to be really difficult to maintain as much as I want to keep doing it. It takes a lot of work to do all this research and do the writing and, you know, all of that. But that year that I took out in the lab, that was my first real introduction into podcasting because I had all this time while I was doing all these like experiments and stuff like, you know, I wanted to use that time to, you know, listen to something productive and I was listening to a ton of like Joe Rogan at the time. And I was just like, I feel like I could do this. Like, you know, maybe without all the mushrooms, but like, I, I feel like I, I might be able to pull this off. And so I, I talked to a friend of mine who was also really into a lot of the same things I was into. He wound up going into psychiatry and we started this podcast called Laughs by Prescription, we called it. And it was, you know, we talked about all sorts of stuff. I mean, our experience in med school, we were talking about, you know, medically related things and pop culture and sports, you know, all, all sorts of things. You know, it was really fun. It was an outlet for us. And, you know, we were still able to, to kind of talk about some of the sports things that kind of started off as. Didn't really know that anybody was listening, but, you know, we were what little analytics that we had in those days. There were thousands of people listening to this and we were just like, this has got to be like spam bots or something like, you know, this is there's no way like how is anybody even finding this? We weren't even really promoting it, but we did it for like about two years and it was a lot of fun. And then we went our separate ways. He went to Alabama to do his psychiatry residency and I was in New York doing my orthopedic residency. And then the dream kind of died. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm in like the thick of my residency and I'm just like, I just made a huge mistake. Ironically, sports medicine became my least favorite subspecialty of orthopedics. So I was just like, what am I going to do? Am I going to quit? Am I going to, you know, just try to, you know, just try to bear this and just finish. But then at a very serendipitous time, we get a message. We had a Facebook page to that podcast, the Last Right Prescription podcast. And it was a medical student from Poland that was basically just like, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm a huge fan. I've listened to all of your podcasts. There's like a ton of us here in our medical school here that have listened to all of your episodes. And I know you're probably super busy, but it would mean the world to us if you kept doing this. And I was floored. I, I call it like dream CPR. And it was the first time that I really felt the power of social media and podcasting and the Internet. The fact that somebody an ocean away could feel moved enough by something that we said to reach out to us and send us a message like that. So I was just like, all right, we got to figure this out. And this was before Zoom. This was, you know, I guess Skype was kind of a thing, but there was really no like remote podcasting solution. I was like looking for some way to do this. And I stumbled on this app called Anchor. I think they power more than 50% of the podcasts like in the world now. But when I joined, this was like three months into their launch. They were not a podcasting platform at all. I don't know if you guys were on the platform then, but it was it was really like an audio social network. It was kind of like an early clubhouse. It was more like a audio Twitter. And you had like two minutes to tell a story, sing a song, tell a joke, whatever. And then people could reply in one minute replies. So it was almost like you were communicating in voicemails, essentially. And I was like, this isn't exactly what I thought it was, but you know, I really don't have much time like to do like the, you know, the hour long podcast that we were doing. Maybe two minutes is really all like I can, 
realistically have the time for. So I was like, let me give this a try. And I wasn't even posting that frequently, but, you know, I was trying to do some real storytelling on there. I was, you know, in between cases in the operating room, like in between clinics, like I would just like record in my car and didn't really think much of it. But then, you know, Anchor started putting my stuff on their like editor's picks and they were like tweeting out like stories that they liked that I was telling. And I was like, this is cool. Didn't really think much of it. Then it was my last year of my orthopedic residency. And most people that go into orthopedics, they wind up doing a, a, a fellowship like, you know, joint replacement or sports medicine or, you know, trauma or something. And I was so burnt out. I was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to practice, you know, orthopedics. I was looking for other opportunities. I was like looking into medical journalism fellowships, like, you know, something, some kind of like a last ditch, like, you know, let me try to salvage this situation. And then in January of my last year of residency, the team at Anchor reached out to me and they were like, we just re raised our, our Series A and we love the content that you've been putting out. Like, if you're interested, we would love if you come work for us. We'd basically pay you to make content and you can help consult on, on the products. And I was just like, is this real? Like, I, and it was very serendipitous because I was, you know, doing my training in Long Island. They were a New York City based startup. You know, most of these tech companies like were Silicon Valley companies. So I like I went out there, I met with the team and, you know, started making that kind of like a monthly thing. I would go over there and, you know, talk to them about about the product, about my podcast. And they, they and, I mean, at the time, it wasn't even a podcast. You know, they when they raised that first round. They were trying to build like an audio Snapchat. Snapchat was like at its peak. It was like this, you know, popping new kid on the block. And they were just like, I think we could do this for audio. Their thesis was, you know, short form audio is the future. Like, you know, that's, you know, what we believe in. They partnered with, you know, Spotify and Apple to be able to like play music. So it really was like kind of your own like digital radio show. And I was like, this is perfect for me. You know, I was a DJ, like I had this like hip hop background. So I created this show called Medicine Remixed, which was like this very like mixtape style of podcasting almost like, you know, we're using a lot of like sounds and instrumentals and, you know, still a lot of the same roots of laps by prescription. We we're still doing a lot of storytelling, still doing this like pop medicine kind of a thing. And it was awesome. And we were one of their flagship, you know, shows for a few years. And then it became very clear that, you know, people wanted a podcasting platform. So they listened and they pivoted into podcasting. And, you know, we were telling them, you know, from the get go, like, this is great, but it would be great if we, we had like longer form audio here. And so it was a hell of a ride. And then in 2019, Spotify, you know, acquired them. And here I was like, learned a ton about podcasting in the space and how to grow an audience and all these things and, you know, had these connections. I was like, how can I make this into a business? Maybe this was the answer I was looking for the entire time on how I can, you know, salvage this, my life decisions. And, and so I was like, maybe I'll start an agency and make content for, for other people in the healthcare space. And I reached out to OrthoBullets because they, they were a site and an app that I used in residency. It's kind of like LinkedIn meets Kaplan. A lot of people use it for, to study for their, for their board exams and stuff. But it's also like a community where people like, you know, share cases and ask questions and things like that. And, you know, the one thing that they didn't have on there was an audio product. They didn't have a podcast. And I always, you know, thought like, man, like I, you know, we work these hundred hour weeks and they're expecting us to study on top of this. I barely have any time, but I have, you know, these commutes, you know, 20 minutes to and from the hospital where, you know, that could be like prime time to like kind of learn some of this stuff and they didn't have anything like it. So 
I basically pitched this idea and the founder was into it. He was just like, yeah, you know, I've gotten this request before, but I don't know where to start. And I was like, lucky for you. Like I have this background in orthopedics and, you know, this background in podcasting. I'm your guy. And I took them from zero to five million downloads in a little over a year. And they're one of the, the top science podcasts in the world, according to Apple. And started consulting a little bit on social media for them, like 20x their following. And I was like, I, I think I'm you know pretty good at this. Obviously, I didn't go to school for any of this, but learned a lot by doing it and the experiences that I had. And at the time, he was like, can we talk about possibly like acquiring your company? And I just like laughed at him. I was just like, well... You're my only client, uh, so I don't know. (laughs) So yes, maybe like, you know, maybe make me an offer. I didn't really know if, you know, I was an entrepreneur or not. Like I definitely had these entrepreneurial tendencies like, you know, throughout my life. And, you know, I knew I was this like creative guy and I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to really cultivate that self-awareness to know like, do I want to do my own thing or am I better off like, you know, working in a company like this? And basically now, like, I'm almost like podcasting full time in this company. So I guess I'm more of like an intrapreneur and, you know, I'm building out their podcast network and helping them with with social media and, and marketing and some of their strategic media. So, yeah, I think a lot of this, you know, kind of happened by by accident. And part of it, too, was just kind of following, you know, your heart and, you know, your intuition. I heard this great definition. I think it was a Brene Brown that said intuition is the intersection of what you know and how you feel. It really was like a culmination of the of those things. And I think hopefully my life is starting to head towards a direction that's more true to, to who, I, who I am. No, I, I think you said so many things right there. And, and as you were telling your story, I was like, that was his exit strategy. Like once once it's in your head that you're trying to find your way out of something and you will start seeing ways out it might not exactly be what you think it's going to be right but looking back i'm sure it's been an amazing journey and now look what you're doing you're doing what you're passionate about you're using your knowledge that you had but you're able to really focus on the creative stuff that you wanted to do from the beginning so that's amazing so on the journey that you were on gosh this is almost Corey's question, but um, <laughs> I, I have to rephrase it because this Corey normally asks the hindsight question. Let's let's change this. Let's change it up. We can change it up one time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 I admit, looking back, when did you? In know? hindsight, looking back, no. <laughs> In hindsight, looking back, no. Uh, I I don't ask the question, so I don't even know how to ask it. So it's fine. Now, looking back, when did you realize, hey, you know what I wanted to do is actually happening or did you realize it in the moment or just did you just wake up one day and go oh my gosh like look at what I'm doing this is what I wanted to do yeah I think when that that first paycheck came in from anchor I was just like this is yeah that's a crazy story that's a crazy this is weird and what like this is crazy I mean this is yeah the fact that somebody is paying me money to do what I want to be doing and making the stuff that I want I mean the you know we had full creative control like yeah, I think that that was the moment that I was just like, oh, my God. And then, you know, as we started getting feedback from the listeners and Anchor has this like, you know, cool option where you can like call in and leave like a voice message and then you can you know include it in your show. And the amount of people that were, you know, non-medical people, like one of my favorite comments was just like, I'm not even interested in medicine. And for some reason, I listened to you guys like and it's just it was 
yeah, I think it was like moments like that where I'm just like, it's happening. And, you know, I still want to get back to that. We're still like, we, we have four seasons of Medicine Remixed or we're hoping to release a fifth season in, in, in the fall. And, you know, it is, you know, I think really where my heart truly is. And, you know, I think this job that, that I took at Bullet Health, I think really is the way I'm looking at it is going to really help me kind of sharpen my chops and really help build a company at that stage. And then, you know, really kind of utilizing all of these, you know, different, you know, interests and and skills that I have to be able to help a company that helped me. So I think that was important to me. And plus, you know, the founder is also, you know, a physician entrepreneur and somebody that that I looked up to. So I really, you know, want to learn. And, you know, ultimately, though, I think, you know, I do want to take a stab at building my own thing. You know, I always you know, dreamt about like creating like the gimlet for healthcare and like really creating these like highly produced podcasts, like, you know, about medicine and things surrounding that. But, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I think that's really when it was, it was one, when I got that, that email still felt like surreal. The fact that, you know, Anchor wanted me to make content for them. And then, yeah, when that, that first paycheck came in, I was just like, this is wild, dude. Like, this is crazy. So fun. So fun. So how many shows are you doing? If I counted correctly, it looks like three, but with ortho bullets, do you, are you getting other podcast hosts that you're kind of having them do stuff as well that you coordinate that is there any kind of being the director of of that media is there any kind of like on the video side on top of the audio like what's that whole kind of play and and how does that all fit in yeah so you know we're a pretty small team right now super you know scrappy like startup life so you know we do have a, a video person that i work with you know very closely to to make video content as well and then we kind of repurpose some of that for the podcasting content but, you know, right now, a lot of the podcasts that we have are just original, just podcast, they're review podcasts. So, you know, it's very technical in nature. It's adapted for that audience that's commuting and not having access to visuals. So we are producing a lot of those, you know, the, the, we have three podcasts, one for orthopedic surgeons and two for medical students. So now, like, that's one type of podcast. But as you guys know, there's so many different types of podcasts. So we're trying to do a few, we have a few workshops right now for interview series and, you know, other ones like more related to cases that people are submitting and more, more interactive in nature. So yeah, I'm hoping by this time next year that we'll probably have at least a dozen podcasts in in circulation. The three that we have now are daily, which is a grind, super grind, but yeah, all of them, you know, we're not intending to, to have that sort of a release schedule necessarily, but these review podcasts, we really felt like there was a need in the market for something like that. There really is no daily podcast for medical, you know, review. And I think that's something that people really wanted. So I think that has enabled us to really get an advantage in, in that space. But but yeah, so, you know, I definitely work a ton with the, the video side of the, the company to, to get content out and really, you know, it's an omni-channel strategy for pretty much a- any business, right? I mean, there's really only four ways people communicate, right? Like it's, it's the written word, it's pictures, it's audio, it's video. And you pretty much have to play in as many of those places as you possibly can. So my job is how are we going to put the systems in place to really scale the content, bring value to a ton of people and, you know, really make some good stuff. So. No, that's so true. We do something similar for our show as well. And we actually just went on a break, but we were daily as well. And it is a grind, right? We tell people do not do more than one show until you have a ton banked because you will not keep up. Like, even though you think you can keep up, 
You just won't. Yeah. You know, but I have to ask as a DJ, do you do your, do you make your own music now? Are you making your own music for like the other podcast shows? Like, do you mix it? Yeah. Yeah, we did, you know, for Medicine Remixed. When we first started, we were kind of just, it was kind of like a little bit of the Wild West. We were using completely unlicensed, like, you know, like popular like music and stuff. And then Anchor was cool with it at the time. And then, at, you know, once they started getting a lot more attention, they were just like, yeah, if you're going to use that. music, you can have. <laughs> so then, but then that was, it was a blow, but it was also like a creative one because then we were just like, all right, I guess we just have to make our own stuff now. So that's what we started doing. And then also like, you know, working with other, you know, kind of up and coming, you know, producers. So, so yeah, very much so. And it was really cool. One, one really cool part of the whole thing was we got another a message like probably a year into to medicine remixed from a medical student in America this time who was also a DJ and basically was just like how can I be involved in this like this is the coolest thing I've ever heard can I just like work for you like for free and do this too oh. and I was just like yes like that was another moment where I was just like this is happening like this is exactly what I wanted, like this was our version of like the bat signal or whatever the X-Men use, like to get all of these kind of like misfits, like in medicine that are all also super creative with all these other skills together to really make some compelling stuff. So, but, but yeah, yeah, I think that background definitely was an important one in the direction that we wound up going in, in podcasting and just, you know, how we sounded and yeah. So that's still so fun. All right. So I got a serious question now and in hindsight, where did your stand up comedy profession go awry? Like what, how come, <laughs> how come you're not doing that full time now? No, just, just tell us more for real on, on like the whole stand up comedy. I know you've got a passion for that hip hop and I'm sure you bring some of that comedy to your show in with such a serious review type topic, right? Like it's with the, the actual medical, you know, and, and topics that many of us wouldn't understand without being in, in school for medicine, how, how do you bring stand-up comedy to your show and I assume have a little fun with it? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is at the end of, I think, our first year of medical school, like kind of similar to high school. Medical school, by the way, is very similar to high school in, in that, you know, there's like a lot of these cliques and, you know, it's very small, like every you know, and then there's drama, like a, a lot of the same elements of high school, just like 10 years later, 15 years later in medical school. But what's that? And you pay a lot more for it, like a, cr- crim- a criminal amount. And then one of the other similar things is that at the end of your first year, and I think at the end of your, your last year, they do these like superlatives, you know, in like high school, they had like best dress, most likely to succeed, you know, whatever. So I got most likely to moonlight as a stand-up comedian, which I think is the medical school version of class clown. You know, do that what you will. <laughs> but it was cool, like, to be acknowledged for that, I guess. You know, I never really considered doing it because my cousin is a stand-up comedian. And I always thought that was like, oh, that you know, that's his thing, you know. And, you know, he had a, a ton of success with it. He's been on, like, all the late night shows. He has, like, a Netflix special, like... You know, and so he's like really doing it. And so I was like, I was always just like, oh, that's, you know, that that's his thing. I can't do that now. But it was this thing that just kept like kind of following me around, like no matter what, even in residency, like, you know, I was like, I was the funny guy. Like I was, you know, I had this, these like weird niches because like, you know, with the DJing stuff, like I was like the DJ for all these like medical events and like conferences. So I had this like weird niche, like in, in the medical world with the DJing. 
but then you know the comedy stuff too like you know is this thing that i always secretly wanted to do but felt like i i couldn't maybe because it wasn't you know my identity it was like somebody else's but then i realized like it, it it is my identity it is who i am that's how you know like you know i go through life and you know the probably the most unsolicited feedback that i get from people is my sense of humor so totally like bring that to the show a lot of the the stories that i tell we've all heard the cliche of like laughter is the best medicine which i'm not really sure who came up with that probably somebody with like not the best health insurance i'm guessing <laughs> it's like broken femur it's like uh, you know, uh yeah <laughs> it's like no you don't need morphine i think you need more meme that's what you need but 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 yeah so like i definitely you know incorporate that a lot into like the medicine remix and you know more personal podcasting stuff and i right before the pandemic was like finally i was just like i'm gonna do i'm gonna do my first you know open mic like i've done other stuff like you know not technically stand up like if i had to give talks or you know like speeches like at like weddings and stuff like that i always used it as like an opportunity to do stand up and never formally did it and i was going to do it right before the pandemic and then i guess the pandemic was my excuse and i have a ton of you know comedian friends that you know have done comedy on zoom and it's just not the same i think you need that real-time like feedback from i was going to say patients but <laughs> your audience there to see if your jokes are hitting and you know that is really the true art and you know i guess what i do more is like sit down comedy like on the podcast but i you know w once i think things are starting to open up now in, in new york and in, in connecticut so it's definitely on my bucket list and definitely something that that i i know i need to do so yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I've never actually talked about that. So <laughs> it, it's scary. So here's advice. I was offered to audition at the comedy club in Denver. No way. Yeah. And, and so I practiced for months. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go. And the, the producer guy goes, just don't drive yourself. Have someone drive you. And I go, that's dumb. Why would someone drive me to the audition? Cause their audition like is in front of like a live crowd. And I know why someone should drive you because I turned around. I really, I was driving and I got two blocks away and I was like, I can't do it. And I turned around. It's terrifying. Like you think it's easy, but just speaking in front of people in itself is right. terrifying, right? Jerry Seinfeld's got that great bit where he's talking about like, you know, people's number one fear is public speaking. And number two is death. He was right. like, number two is death. <laughs> So he was like, you would rather, you know, be in the casket than given the eulogy, basically, like right. is, is, is how it plays out. And I get it. I get it. And, and to add on top of that, making people laugh and then if they don't and what that feeling is like. And, you know, I try to build up the courage, you know, by saying like, dude, you've done like you've been in life and death scenarios and you've been in like much more stressful, you know, situations. But I don't know. There's still something about it. Like they used to have like theaters and, the, you know, they used to call operating rooms theaters because people would actually come yeah, and watch you. I couldn't imagine doing that. <laughs> like it's already stressful enough having people watch you do surgery, like an audience, like people like buying tickets for it. It's like the weirdest, you know, piece of like, you know, medical history. But but yeah, I think it's just one of these things that everybody probably feels like you have to unless you're like a sociopath or something like you're gonna you know you're gonna feel the, those nerves and it's just something that you have to do and you have to bomb like it's like a prerequisite like there's no comic that's gonna tell you that 
they've never bombed. And that's just like, you know, kind of good life advice too. Like you're going to fail over and over again. It's just a matter of how many times you're going to keep showing up like after those failures and just keep beating on your craft and trying it again, you know, testing and learning, testing and learning. So I think there's a lot of great skills that you can get. And, you know, it's lonely. It's like you are you it's one person up there with a microphone and nobody else. There's no team. It's just you. It's not a team sport. And like, I think that's that is tough. That's great advice, by the way, whoever told you that, because I feel like I'd be the same way. I would probably just chicken out you know well, literally i remember this is hilarious like i don't think i've told this part of the story i remember standing in a parking lot with like 20 people and i practiced and everyone laughed so i figured i would be okay and never once did i think i would turn around yeah so funny all right I, i've got one more two really two more two more quick questions and uh, number one is who's your favorite stand-up comedian dave Chappelle. i think it's probably the easy answer but like i've been just such a fan for for so long so i think he's definitely like the living goat but you know some other like newer guys are like, coming up like you know andrew schultz and akash Singh. like you know those i don't know if you guys are familiar with those names but i think all-time great living legend is is dave Chappelle for me thanks joe coy is my favorite oh he's great sure. yes. oh man i love his stuff every chance every time he comes to denver i try to make it so so good oh man he's so uh, good all right next one who is your favorite podcaster? Because the fact that you were able to see Anchor transition through that, I'm sure you listen to podcasts all over the genre and different types, but who's that favorite podcast that you like? Probably the three or four, like in residency especially, that really helped me on a bunch of different fronts from the business side to life and you know, just really w was like kind of like, you know, some of my therapy sessions were Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast, Tim Ferriss's podcast, a few others, Tom Bilyeu's, what is it, Creative, I'm forgetting the name, Chase Jarvis's podcast. I want to call it Creative Calling, but I think that's the name of his book, but his podcast. And then, you know, Joe Rogan was probably the first one that I listened to. So that's, I guess, like my Mount Rushmore right now that I'm thinking of. Yeah, we had a chance to listen to... Um, speak at an event and we actually weren't sure what to expect but he killed it like, he's great awesome. yeah, he did awesome all right we want to thank you so much for your time and we appreciate you coming on the show but how can people get involved with you where can they find you how can they connect with you awesome well first of all th thanks so much for having me this was a blast yeah talked about a lot of stuff i've never talked about before so props to you guys nice. and as far as connecting with me you can look me up you know sarish kandabolu i know it's super easy it just rolls off the tongue easy to <laughs> easy to say easy. easy to spell yeah i'm sure i'm sure you spell you're, you're, it right on the notes <laughs> yeah it's like kind of not going to be able to say that but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but i'm sure you'll have it in the show notes so you could look me up like uh, on linkedin you know i'm on twitter and instagram you know send me a message or you know you can email me sarish.conabolu at orthobolas.com and yeah this was a real pleasure thanks so much all right ron our first orthopedic surgeon joined the show. <laughs> first, first time we've, we've got to talk, uh, but we didn't get into surgery like I expected. So I actually uh, was going to ask about it, but we didn't talk about it. Yeah, it didn't, we didn't have time for it. So Next I time, assume yeah. though, we've got two takeaways for us before we get out of here. I do. I think one is live your life with no regrets, right? Like really, you don't want to be on your deathbed with the woulda, coulda, shouldas because you can't do squat about it. Right? You can't do anything about it. 
follow your passions and then you know what it doesn't matter your age just start and make that choice and follow that path because guess what if you are following the path and you are following your passion things will fall into place yeah and and to, to add on to that, live true to yourself, right? Like that was one of the first pieces, but you know, we got to circle back to the three D's, right? Like it's doctors so are disappointments. So I think more importantly, we got to, whoever you are, whoever is, you're doing things for, you know, you can't be following the three D's for your, for yourself, right? Like the most important person that you've got to be okay with is yourself. And so the only way you're not going to be a disappointment for yourself is if you go find something that you enjoy doing. If you go have some fun doing something that you can make money doing something you love, you can make money, make it having an impact on people's lives. And and then you'll avoid that disappointment, that D for yourself. And so that's what one of my favorite things I got out of that. And definitely a blast. We've got to have more orthopedic surgeons on in the future. <laughs> But ultimately, it was a good time. So thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye, guys.